I called uh, an old enemy of mine. He was one of these uh, skinheads against racial prejudice. Uh, I call him up. I had no idea that that it's, even. It's got to be thing. a pretty niche group. Yeah, and constantly misjudged. Yeah, I'm oh, not yeah, one yeah, of yeah, those they, skinheads. I'm, not one I'm of those. the good skinhead. Hey there, if you've joined the podcast today, my name is Chris Jarvis. I work with companies on employee giving and volunteering programs. And my name's Jake McIsaac. I spend a lot of time thinking about public safety and restorative justice. So we are having conversations here that we've been having for 20 years. Yeah, the only difference now is we press record and share it with you. Thanks for joining us. On today's episode, we go good on our commitment to have guests, and I couldn't be more excited to have our longtime friend, Scott, with us. This is a great episode. We get to talk about some crazy stuff. And we will listen to how he got out. Get out of what? Let's tease it. Did you know there was a Klan organization? The, the KKK. The KKK. And an Aryan nation. Oh, this is what we're going to talk about? That's what we're talking about. Let's do it. All right. I didn't even think they still existed. Well, the first time I heard of them, I thought they were gone and kaput. And years later, I found out they did exist. And then I was like, well, how can I get in touch with them? And once I did, then it was just like a, just like a drug. It just all went from there. And I wanted to know more and more and more and more. This is not funny. This is really not funny. And we saw a problem, too, because there's so many kids. So yeah, many kids. Yeah, there's like a huge number of kids hanging around downtown Halifax now. It's prime pickings for white power recruiters. We promised this season that we would have guests. You're the first guest. We've been mm. so excited about yeah. this Not conversation. the first guest in the history well, of the Discerning Student Dilemma two, podcast. Two seasons. Yeah, well, it sounds better the way I just said it. No, it, it does actually. Okay. So first guest, uh, our friend Scott. Um, Scott, we just played a clip that came from about, what, 1995? Yes. So Scott, tell us about that clip that we just heard. What's the backstory? How did how did that come about? As you watch that, you'll get the whole story of like my background is I uh, I was involved with uh, probably every different white power group you could be in. I actually was a card paying member of one of the clans out there, and also a group that was called the Harry Nations that I used to pay a monthly thing. So. I live my life that way, and then I found that it's not a popular point of view, and uh, some things happen in my life personally, and then I thought, I just don't want to do this anymore. Mm. I want to just live a peaceful life and be left alone, because people knew who I was. So we're in Halifax, Nova Scotia. How old are you at the time? 25. 25. So we're going to go back a little bit of time, but you began your journey into this experience what age that was that was when i was 19 going on 20 but before that yeah i had i had some friends who even at that time the word skinhead wasn't wasn't even used nobody had even heard of it that wasn't even right, right. here we were just right. a bunch of uh friends and we hung out downtown we were part of the little punk rock clique and so stuff you like that punk, so, just like yes but i wasn't uh what we call a postcard punk Punk isn't about a uniform. I mean, you look at guys like the Ramones, they just look like uh, rock and roll guys. Okay. Yeah, well, true. That's but, fair. Yeah. That's fair. So, so, but this whole video comes about. So 
But I, I should sum up just quick to answer the question. How did this come about? At a certain point, I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. I went to quit. And that, I thought, would have been the end of it. Although I figured I'd have some explaining to do. Wait, quit, <laughs> and quit which group? The, the, like all the white power, uh, the clan stuff. Okay. I had enough. It just yeah. it, it was it. And I knew there'd be people asking me questions. And uh, I told an old enemy of mine, I guess, the dice, getting out of it. And he was all happy about that. One thing led to another. And then I was approached by Bronwyn mm-hmm. on Barrington Street because I was working on the front of a building down there. And she told me about the... Uh, the the little show get together they were having and wanted me to go and gave me a pamphlet and said you know if you're really serious about this you should come out wait and did, that's did you how, know her beforehand oh yeah i knew her oh, from you knew high from, school from yeah. the scene or uh, oh from school? both, both. Okay. yeah so she the scene you were in the punk from, scene together and yeah you knew each other from ways back and yeah. she crosses paths with you so you can have so it's it's interesting we talk a lot about inclusion and stuff and diversity so in this punk scene in halifax you have as a as a sort of community, you've got person who identifies as black female in, mm-hmm. in Bronwyn. Mm-hmm. You have a Jewish female in Yaffa. Right. There's also a white supremacist kind of white power kind of element to the so how does all of this group in like get along as a micro community? Yeah, because you're all in the punk. You're scene. all in the punk. It yeah. can't be that big in Halifax. Well, it, in the mid early mid 80s everybody got along um and i guess we'd sort of pick on each other or whatever but if you said you were into right wing stuff or left wing stuff i think at first everybody tolerated each other cuz for the most part you were like punk rock first right then everything else after right and then it yeah. wasn't until the late 80s and really 1990 on that uh, it really got polarized, and mm-hmm. then all then the whole group split into all their different little factions. Right. And believe me, if if you're not involved with that, some of the definitions would make no sense. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you could be walking down the street, and you could be like, "Wow, look at that guy! He's look at the skinhead! I never seen one of those." Yeah, you'd be like, "That it's it's not a skinhead; that's a suede head." Well, uh, you know, right. unless you know what that is, it makes okay. no difference. Some I listener know, somewhere. What, yeah. So, hey, I was a suede head. What is a suede head? Is it short hair instead of skin? It's basically a skin head, but for some reason they like to dress in really nice clothes, like suits and ties and polished shoes, and, and they had their hair cut short. They're subclasses of subclasses. Yeah, 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 yeah. It sounds like it. And a bunch of different ideologies. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. So so you're thinking of leaving. You've decided you want out. They've got this concert and the, the, uh, really encourage folks to watch the video to get the whole backstory. We'll put the link there. But yeah, how, where, long, where is, you, how long is the it's video? It's about 20, 25, 25 minutes. minutes. It's only 25 minutes yeah. long. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this podcast may be longer than yeah, the video. Definitely <laughs> will be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. You, um, if you endure this, you can do that. So you, you talk about getting out. Uh, it's polarized. Were you nervous? Like, is there any risk to getting out of a group like that? Yeah, I had somebody person? ask me that once before, and uh, I told them not in Halifax. If I was in a bigger city or a place where there were lots and lots and lots of people like that, yeah, there probably would have been. They might have looked at you as some kind of a turncoat. Yeah. yeah. 
but in Halifax, I I guess by the time that I decided I had enough, I don't think there was anybody left on that anyway. Yeah. Because there's there's this moment where in this video it starts uh, with you kind of silhouetted out, yeah. um, very mysterious, and about halfway through the video, all of a sudden they reveal your face, and I wondered like what was the point of yeah the silhouette the stuff. silhouette in the beginning if they were just going to show who you were, what what's what's that about? That's a good question. Um, I did not want to get involved with it in the first place. Even the, 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 the gig thing that Bronwyn invited me to, I didn't want to get involved in anything at that point. I wanted to get away from everything. So eventually, I got talked into being in this um, little documentary, and I said, I'll only do it if you black my face out, because I don't want my face up on TV, because I know it's going to be playing places. I, I don't want to be put out there like that. Yeah. So they did that for the first few segments, film me with the backlighting. Yeah. And then later on the the director, producer, he decided it'd be like a an artistic thing that, <laughs> oh, the next scene we're gonna show your face like you're coming out of the darkness and into light. And I'm like, no, I, I, I didn't want to do this to begin with. Like no light. And, no, and no. then uh and so let's not do that. This is the, so that's what happened and I just gave that, up that yeah, I just threw up my arms. I said, you know what? It, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So mm. I'm already involved with this now anyway. Yeah. And so whatever. Go well, ahead and put my face out there. Yeah. Well, let's ba okay. So let's backtrack a little bit. Uh, we're talking about you being part of a group. What different groups were you a part of? You were part of the clan, the white Aryan the, Aryan, the nation. Aryan, Aryan nation. Aryan nation. Yeah. And those were the only two that I actually paid dues for. You, okay. So you paid dues for that. But yeah. you also got into some paraphernalia around all of that stuff and collecting. Now, was that before or after? Well, I, I guess it would have been before I actually joined anything. I, and even when I was a child, I remember going to a flea markets and buying, like, authentic Nazi pins yeah, from during the war Yeah, because they were relatively cheap yeah, at the time. Yeah, they were kicking around, yeah. And they were kind of neat to have. Yeah. And I always wanted to wear one, but my father was like, no, you're not, no, that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, so, that's... Uh... But, it's a whole different level. So what were the triggers for you? I don't know. Growing up, I had this uh, strange fascination with uh, watching all those old black and white newsreels of, of Hitler yelling and going yeah, yeah. on. And I thought, as a child, I thought he was admirable. Like, I thought that was like a, an iconic, well, I guess it is an iconic figure in a sense. Yeah. yeah. And and I thought, wow, that guy is really neat. And he's strange looking. He's, you know... And where were you it, it, accessing these newsreels? Because there's no internet back then. No, but the, they would show up on television from time to okay. time. Okay, yeah. And then when it came to, like, I remember the first time I ever seen this KKK group was during the original run on television of a show called Roots. Yes. By yeah, Alex yeah. Haley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's an episode where yeah. they make their first appearance. Mm -hmm. And all they are is a bunch of guys on horseback with like bed sheets flat, and... no just a flower sack over their head oh that's right and yeah, i the thought flower sack, yeah i thought that is the coolest and scariest looking thing i ever seen in my that's life what they were shooting for and i didn't know what they were and my father told me what they were i didn't think they still existed cause... and your father's not just for the record he's not like a radical no or no. anything like that yeah okay. no he 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 would have been like what you'd call an Archie Bunker type of guy. Yeah. You know? 
he worked with the public, and if he had a bad day, he'd come home and he'd use words and stuff about people and, yeah. and whatever. But then I remember after I got involved with things, he he one time tried to sit down and reason with me about it. He was like, "Oh, I know." Well, I, that, I mean, this is comforting news. Even... I was I was wondering if your dad ever said, "Hey, Scott, you know you're watching Hitler, right?" Like, yeah. uh, like. So, what did that conversation go like? Well, I just remember him. Uh, this was a- after I been into this stuff for a while and i guess for some reason he could accept the clan because that was an american thing or something you know but nazis no like he grew that's up that's a generation the war. that's it yeah, yeah yeah he grew up through it his yeah. his yeah. brother would have been my uncle his brother fought in the war the whole war and he was like front front trench line Ugh. fighter Ugh. and he went shell shock and then they yeah. put him back yeah driving trucks and even that's not a safe job yeah yeah and so dad was just like no he tried to compromise he i remember him saying like some of the medals and stuff the authentic ones he would say those are good to have those are history but he said put them in a box and put them on your shelf he said i don't want to see you wearing those around there's this moment in the in the in the documentary where you say uh that it was mostly interest until one day you uh, ran across a group of, I think in the video you say, colored fellas or something like that. And then from that moment on, you decided you didn't like them. Oh, I remember. Or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I may. Right, well, so, where, it's because where I grew up was a. Which is where? Uh, the north end of Halifax on Rector Street, mm-hmm. which is a like a white picket fence neighborhood mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, immediately adjacent to but it is one block over from the housing public housing of Mulgrave Park well Mulgrave Park was built as a public housing and when the people were relocated from Africville they that's where they went yeah. I mean they had to because they tore down their houses and yeah. they had to go somewhere so so you're growing up in the the white picket fence kind of uh, area yeah and then you have an interaction or something okay, well, happens. Well, here, here's what happened is the kids, they were pretty tough, you know, and because of the way it was and because of even years, there's still a black and white thing. Yeah. And uh, so we didn't see too many of them. We didn't go down there because that was their area. You didn't go walk in there and they didn't really come out too much. But once in a while, what would happen is some of the teenagers would come out we're walking to school and they would pick on us like teenagers do but it was always laced with uh, you know racial epitaphs you know call us a white boy or whatever or a honky i never ever figured out what that (laughs) is or where it came from you know i Mm -hmm. it never insulted me because i thought it was just a dumb sounding word but they'd push us around sometimes they'd beat us up and then got to the point where we were scared to see them. If we mm. seen them coming, we'd either cross the street or go around the block the other way to avoid them. Yeah. And uh, and so, yeah, we were scared of them. And then then way after that, we just ended up hating their guts. And, and with that, that was the only experience that we'd ever had yeah. with black people mm-hmm. face-to-face. Yeah. So, so this is happening in the background. And then you find a community on... Well, I was going to say online, but I think you talk about um, in the in the documentary a mail order community. Mail, yeah, that's what it was <laughs> before there was an internet. It was like a c- committee of correspondence, you know. Yeah, 
And and so that starts to make sense of some of your experiences. What, like, what, what about that community started to feel like this is right? This this makes sense to me. This aligns with my experiences. I had always believed that way to begin with, that I was a a racist person, that I didn't like other people of, of different races. Because my experiences were, at that point, all negative, then I had negative opinions. Now, when it comes to those groups, um, like I said, I didn't think the Klan existed anymore. I thought mm. that was a thing from the past. Um, and I had only dimly heard of what they called neo-Nazi movements, and I mm -hmm. was like, I thought, that's kind of interesting. I, but I, I was like, I know they're never going to go anywhere, but it's still interesting. Mm -hmm. And Turns out they had more legs than you thought. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But uh, somehow, oh, then, that, then that whole teenage skinhead thing happened. And I believe that's when literature and contact post office box things started getting passed around and a guy that was living here at the time i think he was from vancouver and he had been in contact with things and then uh, i had already hung out with this other gang of guys and we identified with that stuff and it was kind of a it was almost like our own little gang mm -hmm. well eventually somebody so i'd heard these groups are out there right. somewhere but they're all mysteries i was like yeah you can't look them up in the yellow pages right so um somebody I believe it was a skinhead guy, gave me one address to uh, a newspaper that come, comes out of like Nebraska. It was called The New Order. Yeah. It claims to be the direct descendants of the National Socialist German Workers' Party. Mm -hmm. The Christian nationalists uh, of Germany that we know as Nazis. Yeah. yeah. They claim to be the, the actual successors to them. Yeah. The Marjorie Greens of Germany yeah. in, the, in the 30s. And what they did before the internet was in his little newspaper in the back, they would print anybody's address who sent in their address to contact. So there was a list of like umpteen dozen of these strange sounding groups that were neo-Nazi groups. There were like, and I was surprised that there's like four, five, six different clan groups. And so... All I did was I rode away a couple times. I got some pamphlets and newspapers, and then from there, that was it. In today's episode, we mention a couple of key resources. The first one is Africville Forever. It's a podcast series uh, hosted by Alfred Bergeson and Eddie Carvery III. Yeah, and I've listened to it. It's very interesting. Fantastic. And so we talk a little bit about Africville in this episode. So you're going to want to check that out. This is where you can go deeper. Yeah, so check that out. Really we'll, we'll add the, in the show notes. And the second one from the National Field Board of Canada is called uh, Bronwyn and Yaffa Moving Toward Tolerance. Perfect. Now, it's a little bit older. I think it came out in 96, but you'll want to watch. It's only 25 minutes long. And by the way, we put tons of notes in every show. If you aren't checking out the show notes, you're not as smart as you could be. You're missing out. You're missing out. Everyone else reads them. Scott, I want to play one more clip from this uh, documentary for you. It kind of sets up. Um, we kind of talked about how you got involved. This kind of gets to the end of why you got out, how you got out in, in, in this clip. And, uh, and then let's just play it and we'll uh, talk about it in a sec. I did not like them at that point in my life because 
Bronwyn was not white and Yaffa was Jewish. I got into the con this concept of a master race theory and I uh, was drawn into joining the KKK because I enjoyed the uh, the sense of uh, mystery and mystique. I liked the uniforms, the signs, the symbols, and even the name itself. It gives you a sense of uh, history and belonging. And when you stand there with many other people in the same uniform in front of a, the fiery cross, you feel like you're part of something that goes way back. I didn't want to quit until it got to be a pain for me. When I was in the clan, I lived my life in fear of I could be raided any day, or I could have some people come up here and beat me up. That's what I got sick of. And if, if by exposing my face on television causes me some kind of thing in the future, well, that's somebody else's problem. I'm not there anymore, and I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just not going to live in fear any longer. It's interesting, Scott, because I know from, um, and we go way back, like back to 96, which is interesting. This is when the film was released, but that's about the same time as we met each other, which is interesting. Or was it maybe No, 97? we're probably around 98, maybe, 98, When we? Oh, yeah, gosh. yeah. Uh, it would have had to have been 2000 because that's when I moved out to Spryfield. Ah, yeah, that's right. That It was that much later. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, um What's interesting about this is you just said the reason you left was because you were afraid and you were sick and tired of being afraid. But the reason you joined, I know from our previous conversations, was you were afraid. This gave you a sense of agency. Like that. that belonging. Yeah. And belonging. And that clan outfit and those symbols all reek of power and you know, uh, historical control and status. And you, you're part of something bigger. So it, it, how does that work? Like you kind of get into it because you're afraid, but then there's enough fear generated in it that you exited because of the fear as well. Hmm. I got into it because I made a conscious choice that I wanted to, and I wanted to affiliate yeah. and meet people that thought almost exactly like myself. Right. And I did meet a lot of people and made a lot of friends and there were a lot of good people there. Right. You know, they're not all, Axe murders and weirdos. There, there's a lot of down to earth, very normal people you'd never know who just happen to hold some of these yeah. beliefs. And time went by, and I slowly, well, I lost contact with a lot of them because they all moved away or did their own life. And then something personal happened to me. Um, there were some people that I was friends with, and they kind of stabbed me in the back and that was a a super betrayal god yeah because they didn't just betray me to me they betrayed this whole concept of this honor code system we had hmm. so i got a little disillusioned and then i sat around and i thought for a long time by myself and i just thought um i guess it was fun while it lasted but uh I don't want to do this anymore. I mean, I'm just, it takes a lot of energy when you're involved with, I guess, any sort of a group, really. Uh, it's a lot of energy. I mean, you're you're always thinking about it. You're always reading about it. You're always talking to people about it, arguing with people about it. And I was mm -hmm. like, I just can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess I said my piece and I'm done. And, and I said in that documentary, I said, I'm not 
cured. I didn't wake up one day and say, oh, I was so wrong. I've seen mm-hmm. the light. Mm-hmm. I said, I still, there's all kinds of things I'm still thinking about. And even while I'm speaking in that, I'm still believing what I'm trying to get away from. Right. right. You know, I made a conscious choice that, okay, uh, yeah, I still believe this, but I got to learn to live with people. I want to get away from it. This is going to take time and so on and so forth. And it did. Wow. Yeah, and um, so you moved to a place where you could hold contrary, contrary ways of seeing yeah. the life. It was uh, it seeing was, the world uh, rather cognitive dissonance. Yeah, you know, it was mm-hmm. two, holding two conflicting yeah. opinions at the same time. That's right. Yeah. So we we all meet and we embark on a strange friendship over the last yeah. number of years, and we're all twenty. Sort of, well, I just found out it's twenty two years. So yes, twenty two. Twenty two years later. Yep. And Scott, this whole video, I think, was about ending racism in Halifax. This was about... Was that the point of it? Was or that, was it to expose the punk or the sub... Actually, that, I, I, that is the, That is the whole point of what Bronwyn and Yaffa were doing there. I mean, I was just sort of an incidental person that happened to be around... And then a lot kind of, of like it, a foil for their story, right? It's not this this documentary is not about you. It's about them and no, it's about their yeah, journey. it's them yeah. and their point of view. And yeah. they, they were doing uh, rallies, end racism, do what you can, and da da da. Um, then I popped up. They had already been working on this for quite some time before I got it. So that was their whole point of that. Their whole journey was they wanted to have an anti-racism rally and stuff, and the. Uh, they wanted to do it in a form that had a liquor license. You watch that and they have to mm-hmm. go through all the mm-hmm. bureaucracy. And then all of a sudden I sort of pop up unbeknownst to them all of a sudden. And they'd always known who I was. And they found out that I said, I'm quit. I'm out. I'm gone. And then they wanted me to come and get involved with this. Mm-hmm. And the rest is history there. Right, so right. this this video wasn't about it. You'd already decided I'm out. Yeah, it wasn't your out. experience here that got you out. Well, I, I, I had decided probably the year before that. To um, exit. Yeah. They heard about it. You're in the punk scene. That's where the connection is. They draw you into the documentary. Yeah. What, there was one person, one person I told because I couldn't think of anybody. I wanted to tell somebody. And I called uh, an old enemy of mine. He was one of these uh, skinheads against racial prejudice, which would be the flip side version of where I was coming from. Uh, I call him up. I had no idea that that even. That's got to be a pretty niche group. Yeah, and constantly (laughs) misjudged. Yeah, I'm not one of those skinheads. I'm not one of those. I'm the good skinhead. Like that. Yeah, that's exactly how that dichotomy kind of goes that way. (laughs) But you can't tell. (laughs) You can't tell tell if you a good one. Both skin. Yeah. Okay, Kiggy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, keep going. So uh, (laughs) I called him, and he was at first. He was like, "Yeah, what do you want?" And I said, okay, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. And he was like really happy about it. He was like, that's great news. Yeah. I love it. He said, you want any help getting out? We're here to help you. I said, I don't know what kind of help you give, but, you know. And <laughs> uh, I'll take money. I don't know. Yeah, donations. <laughs> but uh, he was also part of the scene and stuff. And we had had altercations before. And once I told him, he went and he told two people and they told two people and so and they went like wildfire across okay. that whole thing yeah and then the next thing i knew maybe it was a week later or whatever and so i was working on this building downtown 
and Brahma walked right up to me on the street and started talking. And that that was the first time in all the years that I knew her from downtown or from high school. That one conversation was the most words we'd ever spoken in our lives mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that the first time she would have perceived you as safe? Well, I would I would guess so. Yeah. 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 Because otherwise you represented the very thing that this documentary is about. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I was a embodiment symbol of yeah. all the bad. It's a bit of a risk fear. to take, though, right? Huge yeah, risk for her. What yeah. if? What if? What, what if well, the rumor's not true? Yeah. Even you said you're still working through the cognitive dissonance of it. Mm -hmm. So some of these beliefs are rooted really deeply, and yeah. you're still looking at both sides of the coin and going, "Yeah, but you know that well, kind I of should, thing." I should say it was in a a public open. Oh, where the conversation, space. but yeah, still, but, but still, the personal sense of threat. So, Chris, I want to tell you a story that happened in the last few months. Um, Scott and I were meeting up. We we're going to go out for a coffee. <laughs> we're um, we're driving around, and I say, "Hey, where do you want to go?" And I won't name the place. He can if he wants. Uh, <laughs> I said, "Let's um, let's go here," and he says, "I can't." I can't go there. Do you feel comfortable telling this story, Scott? I don't have a problem with it. I I'm more angry at myself about what happened than anything else. But. This is a story of the cancellation of Scott Lynch. Okay. T t tell, us, tell us what happened. All right. Well, as you guys know, I, I really like playing war games, mm -hmm. but I also like playing role-playing games. Mm -hmm. And they're married in a sense. And because of the COVID thing and... I couldn't meet anybody to do uh, role-playing games, which just a, can't be done solo, unlike a board game. And so uh, <laughs> I, I met a guy online. A, I have a whole scene in my mind of somebody trying to play <laughs> a role-playing game. Dungeons and Dragons by <laughs> themselves in the basement. You'd just be talking to yourself. <laughs> and anyway, what happened was I, I met a guy on Facebook. Oh, they're meeting at this game store that has a room with tables that you meet in. Oh, I said, yes, I, I want to get involved. So I went there and I played one session with them and they were playing a game similar to Dungeons and Dragons called Pathfinder. It's the exact same thing anyway. And just for a lark, and he was younger than me. He must've been in his mid later twenties. Okay. And I had talked to him and I said, I've been gaming since the early eighties. And so I, brought some of my old, old D&D &D books, like the first edition stuff. Okay. And the rest of the players didn't seem to really have any interest in it. There was one guy who was flipping through the pages, and this is where I'm angry at myself about this, because right. it didn't even dawn on me. But when I was young, one of the paraphernalia I had was like a rubber stamp, you know, you stamp the ink and then you stamp on paper. I, I, I'm going to guess that it's, the, it, it's the kind that was used in. It was uh, a Gestapo eagle. <laughs> yes, exactly. With a little SS symbol under exactly. it. Exactly. You had... see it in every movie. They stamp your passport, passport. They stamp the passport yeah, with something like something, this. Yeah, it's something, yeah. And so I had stamped the inside of the cover of the book, of one of the books, not every book I own. And this guy, and I knew there was a problem because he was flipping, and then he stopped, and he, and it's on the, the opening flyleaf. Yeah. It's a blank page, yeah. and there it is, right, like an X, right in the middle. And I seen he stopped, and he looked at it, and I thought, 
Oh, this could be a problem. <laughs> I should have I understated. I just completely didn't even think about it. This was something that I put there when I was like a little kid. Right, right, so, right. right. And Because uh, every kid loves stamps. doesn't matter that it says Mein Fuhrer on it. Well, yeah. there was something else too growing up. Is, uh, I remember me and everybody else, we doodle swastikas and things. Uh -huh. you know, just because it was a neat looking thing. Yep. It had no concept of what it meant. Right. So um, anyway, night's over with. Everybody packs up and leaves, and I knew there was a problem because everything kind of went cold, and the guy who was running the game said, I said, well, I'll see you next week or something. He said, if there's a next week. And I knew right there, I said, uh, something. I'm not going to say anything or jump to conclusions. They had removed me from a Facebook group, and right away I was like, yeah, I know exactly what's going on, and I didn't. So they didn't actually talk to you about it. They didn't want to. Well, the next day, yeah, in the afternoon, like maybe four o'clock in the afternoon, the original guy did get in touch with me, and he said, uh, "The players they don't want to play with you anymore because of this symbol you were flashing around, right? Which is ridiculous, right?" Because I wasn't flashing around. I'd forgotten it was even there. Right. Nobody else at the table looked at these books. Just this one guy. And I know exactly who it was. And so he said, no, you, you can't come anymore. And then that business never said I couldn't go. Mm. But like a, knew. like a child. No, yeah. he told me, well, we told them that if you do try to come back, that they will have you removed. Speaking of the black, white. So it's just interesting to see somebody going through this change of mind making sense i i really appreciate that you said you know you don't wake up one day and don't believe any of this anymore it's uh, all in there but you decided for your set of reasons we all have our own that you're going to begin to unravel this somehow and you're gonna you know that there's this cognitive dissonance you know that you you want to see the world this way but you're you're seeing the world this way and in that process you're starting to make friends and interact with people but that history is coming with you, like those stamps from when you're a little kid. You don't even remember somebody. Yeah. And from their perspective, this is the current reality. This is who this guy is. This is an artifact of his identity. And I saw it and I caught him. But who would show up with it and not intend for everybody to see it? So they're they're impugning or imputing all of their reality to that. And yet I know that you're in a church service um, out in Timberley at a school sitting next to this young gentleman, Cadney. Or, oh, right, yeah. Right, can I, can I say his yeah. name? Yeah, Cadney, who's a massive fro, strong, young, black man, and he's sitting right beside you. Mm. And somebody says, we're gonna read something in Leviticus or something, and Cadney's looking through his little church Bible they gave him, <laughs> and you, you've never whispered very well, Scott. I don't know if anybody else has told you this, but you're like, <laughs> Oh yeah, it's hard to find. It's near the frontier. Let me do it. For and you start whispering, quote unquote. Everybody else is kind of giggling because here's a guy, and you're still dressed in green fatigues. Yeah. At the time, with the boots and kind of a leftover punk look that you got going on. Caddy is purely identifying with his culture too, and the two of you become crash together, crash right? together, and become decent friends. Both of you working through cultural stuff from your background and but in this space that contradiction finds sort of a weirdly beautiful place to 
play out. And it's not just that one incident. It's, uh, it's the interactions you had with Jake over the years and that kind of thing. So I think it would have been very funny to go back and say, that is part of who I am. And this is also part of who I am. And it's complicated and I'm working on it. You would never mm -hmm. have articulated that. And I'm sure they would have said, oh, you know, this is not therapy. We play board games yeah, here, sir. Board game. I think you're, I think you're, you're shooting a little beyond <laughs> what we're going to get out of this. But it is interesting to think about people who are in this place of flux and moving forward, and they could say, "I'm not in either place, and I'm in both places, and I need that to be okay for a little while." I think that lands because people are on various journeys. So for Scott, it was about. Uh, race and, mm -hmm. and 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 culture, but mm -hmm. we see these kind of conversations happen for lots of mm -hmm. folks across different spaces, mm -hmm. and it's okay for that. We've talked about this in other podcasts as well, but it's okay for this to be hard. Mm -hmm. In fact, it to Scott's point about walking away. Well, if you're if you're abandoning long held core beliefs, you should wrestle with it a bit. It's going yeah. to be natural. You're going uh, yeah, to. Yeah, because otherwise it, you look a little bit like, well, did you really deal with right. it? Or did you really even think that? Or did you just take that on because you want yeah. to be a part of this group? But Yeah, that, that's what I, I said That's earlier. what you said earlier. Yeah, yeah they, they left it so easily that it leads you to wonder if they just tromped it down to never think about it again and just to take on a new identity. But it doesn't present like they're doing the intentional, painful work of introspection, right? An unexamined life isn't worth living. I'm always thinking mm. and reevaluating my yeah. life. And how many people sit down and think about this topic all the time? Yeah. It still has, it still has an effect on my life. Every yeah. time I see something on the news, you know. Yeah. And so it's still, it's still there in the background. And that's yeah. great. I, I, I want to just do a little quote here from uh, one of my favorite musicians. Uh, that wasn't me. Okay by Brandy Carlisle. Hang on, hang on, just hang on for a minute. I got something to say. I'm not asking you to move on or forget it, but these are better days. To be wrong all along and admit it, it, that's not amazing grace. But to be loved like a song you remember even when you've changed. Tell me, did I go on a tangent? Did I lie through my teeth? Did I cause you to stumble on your feet? Did I bring shame on my family? Did it show when I was weak? Whatever you see, that wasn't me. That wasn't me, that wasn't me. And the, the point of the song is we are not the sum total of our worst, worst moments and that we're working through this and we're all working through our own thing. But to, be, to categorize people by when I was eight, I put a stamp in my book. Mm -hmm. That's not Scott Lynch here sitting here today. Absolutely not. Thanks for being here. It's been oh, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's been great. This has been a Podstarter production. production.